This is WKOK Sunrise on your station for the best news, talk, and sports. News Radio 1070 WKOK and WKOK.com. And thank you so much for joining us on WKOK Sunrise, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Podcasts, and the WKOK Podcast page. Four of the 32 platforms on which you can find uh, this interview and all of our WKOK Sunrise and On the Mark interviews. Thanks to Rob Center, uploading them on a daily basis, so we appreciate his help. He is our, our producer here this morning. In the studio with us now, Dr. Deidre Heber is here. Uh, she's an obstetrics and gynecology physician at Geisinger, and we just think it's probably time for a timely update. Mike McMullen, one of your great outreach and education specialists at Geisinger, said this would be the perfect time to talk about these uh, various topics. Uh, so, uh, Dr. Heber, welcome on board. Thank you, Mark, for having me. Oh, yeah. Thanks for coming in. I really do think this is timely. We're going to talk about birth control, so I don't know. Sometimes adults don't always want kids to hear about this, but uh, so uh, this would be one of those times, I, I, I would think. All right, so for a woman or a couple that's choosing a birth control method, please suggest the perfect method of birth control, and they can just start using that. <laughs> that is a hard thing to suggest, just one thing. I think birth control is definitely individualized to each patient, uh, what they're looking for in terms of when they want to get pregnant in the future or if they have other medical comorbid comorbidities, um, you know, each birth control can be individualized for the patient. All right. So, yeah, that's I knew that was going to be the answer. <laughs> what do they say? Don't ask any questions. You don't know the answer. Uh, but how about new information related to birth control? We'll, we'll say what's new in this field of birth control? Yeah, so there's a lot more interest currently in the United States about long-acting birth control options. So uh, two specifically being the Nexplanon implant that goes in the arm. That's the most effective form of birth control that's reversible currently. And the other uh, would be an IUD, whether it's a levonorgestrel or a copper IUD. Those are long-term birth control options that are instantly reversible. So those are gaining popularity in the United States right now. And if a woman says, well, I definitely, absolutely, positively don't want to get pregnant now, but I definitely, absolutely, positively do want to get pregnant later, these might be those kinds of options? Yes, yes. They are very good options. They are equally as effective as tying your tubes, but they're instantly reversible. Okay, so yeah, tubal ligation. What's new in that field? Uh, tube tying, we used to call it. So um, what is new in that particular field? So um, it used to be that they used to clip your tubes or burn them or physically tie them um, for the tubal sterilization. Nowadays, more and more OBGYNs are actually removing the entire fallopian tube. It actually uh, has been shown that certain ovarian cancers actually arise from the fallopian tube so that by removing the whole tube, we can actually reduce the risk of ovarian cancer in the future. So in that particular case, you would be talking about removing the ovaries also? Nope, just okay. the fallopian tube. Oh, just all so of the tube. they don't have to take uh, hormone replacement or anything like that. This is just removing the entire tube. Now, is ovarian cancer such a risk that maybe the ovaries should be removed sort of quote unquote while you're in there? 
Uh, no, there's definite benefits to keeping your ovaries up until the age of 65. Uh, it protects your brain, your bones from osteoporosis, your heart from cardiovascular disease, um, just because of that estrogen that it's going to continue to secrete. All right. Now, some people, when they have a hysterectomy, have their ovaries removed, and then a hormone replacement may be or is advisable? Yes, absolutely, especially if they, if anyone were to get their ovaries removed before the age of 50, they would definitely need hormone replacement therapy. Some women will need it beyond then. So is tubal ligation, the uh, tube tying, is that the most effective form of birth control that's out there? Yeah, I would say removing the entire fallopian tube is the most effective, uh, but the IUDs and the next planana are right up there with them. Okay, and even for that woman, uh, in vitro fertilization might be feasible after a tubal ligation. Yeah, so if someone gets a tubal ligation or, um, or even if a male gets a vasectomy, they could still potentially do in vitro fertilization. Uh, it's not ideal um, because I would hope that they, someone who elected to have this permanent procedure done is sure about that decision. But if uh, for some reason they regret it, you could still get IVF. Um, however, it just may be costly and insurance prohibitive. Okay, well, people go through these evolutions in their lives, so maybe that's one reason why you'd want to uh, have something that uh, sort of has a fallback method. All right, I'm going to use an illustration. If I go to Amazon.com and I want something, I'm going to go to the screening proposals. I want I want one that's four stars. I want one that comes from Amazon the next day. I want one from uh, uh, that is safe, we'll say, whatever it is I'm buying. Can you do that with birth control? Take a checklist and say what's most safe safe and effective and the fewer side effects and be most reversible later. Can you do that? Is Can you do a checklist like that? Yeah, uh, I typically do that when I'm talking to the patient to seeing what they want out of their birth control. So the birth control is not just for contraception. You can also use a Mirena IUD if they have heavy periods um, that can reduce their bleeding. Uh, if they um, have bad acne, you may consider oral contraceptives because that has been shown to um, help with uh, their skin. Um, you know, each um, there's different pros and cons to each birth control, and I think just tailoring it to the individual um, is is what half my job is. Okay, yeah, I was going to say this would be pretty complex, though, but with a wide range of, uh, you said, comorbidities, so that's, you know, so let's say the acne is, is that, where you have, uh, you know, anything that manipulates hormones that may impact, that may be beneficial, so then, uh, you know, you would say, well, the pill or something else might, you know, just coincidentally would help that. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So is there any any birth control method that's 100% safe? There are, I think most of the birth control methods are safe. I think each one has a risk of its own. Um, you know, certainly you never know exactly how your body's going to respond to a certain birth control method. Um, some people, sometimes it just works better for others. But, um, but... The other thing that's that could be unsafe is getting pregnant. So uh, although um, there are some side effects to birth control, getting pregnant can also increase 
your morbidity, so developing risk of blood clots or um, stroke or things like th things like that can also happen during pregnancy. Okay, so yeah, just the opposite would be true. I mean, it, not using any birth control and getting pregnant, whether if you weren't necessary. Well, regardless, pregnancy has risk. Period. That's the end of that story. Okay, uh, we are talking to Deidre Heber. She's a doctor, obstetric and gynecology physician from Geisinger. If anybody in our audience has a question for us, you can send it to, to the on the mark email on the mark at wkok.com and uh, I can see that screen from here so I'll, I would be more than happy to ask that question on the mark at wkok.com so uh, w what is what what's the rubric that you're going to work through with a patient you get a new woman or a woman that you haven't met before and uh, you see, and she's interested in birth control uh, let's say she's 18 so now you have a younger patient so where do you start so I usually start by asking them long-term goals. Are they interested in getting pregnant anytime soon? Are they good at taking a pill every day? Uh, or are, do they think that they're going to forget it? Um, because, you know, that would obviously make it ineffective. Um, I also... Um, you know, I'll also gauge, you know, how their periods are. Um, are they heavy? Um, would they benefit from something that would lighten that? Um, and then I do also ask if they have any family history of blood clots, if they have any personal history of blood clots, if they have high blood pressure. Those things would be contraindications to something like an oral contraceptive pill. Okay, well, yeah, we've seen for some women uh, premenstrual syndrome can be really a vexing issue. How bad can that be if our audience isn't familiar with that? Yeah, so uh, if people have a lot of mood swings or... Um, or difficulty the week prior to or the week of their period that can be, um, you know, interfere with their daily life or their work. Um, you know, something like that would be helped by maybe taking continuous oral contraceptives or, um, or even an IUD would also be helpful in that case. Anything to kind of reduce the f giant fluctuations in hormones that happens before their menses. Is that what it is? Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's what causes that. And yeah. Uh, yeah, we've seen that to be a pretty big dilemma for some women and certainly debilitating, you know, certainly momentarily and sometimes in a long-term fashion. What about cramping? Is some birth control methods reduce cramping? Yeah, I would say Anything that reduces bleeding will also reduce cramping as well. So just the two are very interrelated based on the prostaglandins and stuff that are released from uh, the bleeding. So if uh, if if one reduces menstrual flow, then it also reduces cramping. Okay. So, but then uh, some of those are pills, and you have to remember to take them. Yes. We hear about injections and implants and things like that. We'll talk, I guess, more about those when we come back. Or a patch. I've heard of a birth control patch. Mm -hmm. So um, maybe we'll get into a little bit more of those when we come back at 7.40 this morning. Just one more sentence, though, in this segment, and that's about uh, morning after pills. More conversation about those lately. Yeah. Yes, uh, so there's uh, two types of morning after pills that you could take. One's effective for three days after um, birth control failure or five days after f birth control failure. Um, there is also evidence that you can use an IUD um, within five days after birth control failure as well for morning after. Um, and there's newer evidence that shows that the um, levonorgestrel IUD is actually effective as um, as 
emergency contraceptive as well. Okay, and some of those pills are over the counter, as you mentioned. Yes. So this would be something that might be an option for some women under the circumstances. All right, well, we're going to just hit the pause button here. Yep. I got to go do news and AccuWeather and sports, and but you stand by if you would. Thank you so much for coming up here, too. I uh, really appreciate it. We're talking about birth control update here and birth control methods, and some are permanent, some are temporary, and uh, some are reversible, and some help other uh, comorbidities, <laughs> as they are called. So uh, we're going to talk about that. So uh, we'll keep this conversation going with Dr. Deidre Heber, obstetrics and gynecology physician from Geisinger. So they could email us at onthemarketwkok.com, and two women did. One said, uh, what is the role of errors in pregnancy? I think, I think the question is... Uh, the kind of the failure rate of uh, these birth control options, um, you know, how often do people become pregnant on them? Uh, so, like I said before, the most effective forms of birth control, the Nexplanon implant that goes in your arm, that has a 0.03% failure rate. The IUDs are more like uh, 0.5% failure rate and um, versus a pill, although if it's perfect use, the failure rate's around 1%, but typical use with um, with patients is about, the failure rate goes up to 7%. Okay. So um, so it really, the reason why the IUDs and the, the Nexplanon implant work so well is just because it takes away the... The re, you know, you don't have to remember to take it every day. Uh, it takes away that human error um, because it's just staying in there. All right. So women forget to take the pill. It's just the pill, the patch, the ring, the, uh, even going to the doctor to get like, a depot shot. Uh, you know, people can be late to that or, or for, you know, our lives get busy. So, um, you know, it can definitely be hard to remember those things. Well, the more effective this stuff works, the less it might be top of the mind. Right. You know, that's how that works. Okay, so I, yeah, I think that's what they're probably talking about is the pill. And the other question we received from a woman who said, what impact do any of these birth control methods have on sex drive? Yeah, that's a hard one to answer. Um, just because, like I said before, each of these options can affect people differently. Uh, I haven't seen one option in particular th where everyone, th where women just constantly come in and say that they have uh, low libido. Um, I haven't seen that, you know, I've heard that complaint probably across the board from all of them at some point, um, but yeah. not one kind of stands out as um, affecting sex drive the most. All right. And uh, you have developed a keen interest in postpartum care and postpartum birth control. Yes. So tell us about this. Yeah, I, um, you know, women who just came in and had a uh, had a delivery are very motivated to usually be on some form of birth control um, as they, you know, we don't want them to get pregnant within 12 to 18 months after they deliver um, just because it can um, have risk to the next pregnancy. Uh, so one thing that we instituted at Geisinger was the initiation of a, our postpartum LARC program where people can, or women can get IUDs placed at the time of their delivery or they can get an exponon placed while they're still there at the hospital. So they're leaving the hospital uh, with effective birth control. 
are p women particularly likely to get pregnant again immediately after childbirth? Yeah, so women can actually uh, ovulate within three weeks after delivery. And, um, and although we tell them to not have intercourse before their six-week postpartum visit, about 50% of them do. Um, so we have seen women come back at six weeks already pregnant. Why no intercourse after birth? Uh, well, they want to, we want them to, you know, completely heal their pelvic floor. Um, and really, it's just to, you know, we don't want them to get pregnant right away. So we want them to be really well established and know the, the risks of a short interval pregnancy. Well, this is far more complex than I ever <laughs> imagined. <laughs> You know, when, when Mike McMullen, your good outreach and educator, said, uh, uh, why don't we talk about women's birth control? And he kind of said Roe v. Wade might have prompted some additional conversation. Is that true? You've had more inquiries? Yeah, absolutely. So okay. many women are uh, kind of flooding the doors for tubal sterilizations more than anything else, especially women who haven't maybe had children, uh, who never wanted children. Um you know, we're seeing a lot, a lot more influx of people who want permanent procedures. Okay, so you are busier. OBGYNs, there aren't quite enough of you to start with, and now you're busier. Yes, absolutely. So we definitely have a, a backlog of uh, women waiting for consultations. Okay, so and then after this surge, you might go back to normal or maybe slightly less busy, I guess, in the future. Maybe I feel, I feel <laughs> like, uh, and even with the wave of COVID, we definitely have an increase in women who were getting pregnant and having having babies so I feel like the it's constantly in flux of um, it, it feels like we've been busy for a while <laughs> yeah I was just gonna say you're the only person here I haven't asked about what impact the pan pandemic had on your business so yeah. what did the what was the impact so uh, we did move a lot of um, contraceptive counseling visits to um, to telemedicine which has been nice um, to to counsel patients over the phone and have them you know stay at home for that um, but we definitely did notice a spike in the number of pregnant people um, uh, you know, as a result of probably quarantining mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, coming in. So we've had a, a big rise in birth numbers. And that's continued? Or would yeah, you say it's, that's it's subside? been pretty steady, yeah. Okay, right. Well, I know you guys are busy. We know that to be true. Okay, so uh, the rhythm method, we used to call it. What's the, what's the doctor's name for that? So I guess that would be looking at where you are in your in your menstrual cycle and timing intercourse um, outside of the ovulation period. And how does that work? In, in today's modern age, I mean, we can do all kinds of thermometers yeah. and probably take a little blood test or something. Or I feel like if, if you're very... If, if your cycle is very predictable, if you uh, know your body extremely well, you've researched this method, it does work for some people, but there are a lot of hiccups to it. There, There's, you know, everyone's cycle can be a little different. It can be off by a couple of days. And so even, um, even, even that's not, you know, a perfect method. 
Uh, we got one more question. One of our listeners says, how do women's periods get synced up if they roommate? <laughs> I, I I think that's a kind of an old wives' tale. Okay. Um, but yeah, typically, uh, I th- I think the the theory is you know some kind of pheromones or something like that. But but I actually I haven't seen any data that shows that that's actually okay, true. So it might not be a thing. Yeah. Okay. So back to the rhythm method. This idea that uh, you can accurately predict when you're ovulating and of course not have intercourse at that time or have a you know a protected intercourse. Uh, at that time, how big is the window where you can't have, where, where you could get pregnant? Uh, usually, it's you're usually it's about five days um, of when you can get pregnant. That's. Uh, it's, I'm thinking kind of in reverse, you know, when talking to women about getting pregnant, you usually want to have intercourse uh, around ovulation for about five days. Okay. Um, oh, okay, go ahead. Yeah, so so you'd want to avoid those days if you are looking for a contraception. One of our good listeners says, is voluntary sterilization available for women? Absolutely. So. I think every provider is different, but I personally believe that if you are an adult and are old enough to join the Army, uh, you can certainly make that decision to um, uh, to get sterilized. If you're 100% sure you do not want children, you've been counseled about other options, then, um, then you can come in and, and get that procedure done. Does insurance pay for that? Yep. They okay. do. Okay. All right. And if no insurance is present at all, is there some sort of a fallback uh, method of paying for it? Uh, I, I b- I'd have to look into that, but I, I believe uh, that we would still have options for that. Okay. All right. Well, believe it or don't, we've consumed about 17 minutes of our 20 <laughs> minutes, so we have a couple of minutes left. Uh, important things to talk about, sort of the frequently asked questions mm-hmm. ab- about uh, uh, birth control maybe I haven't asked. Um, so a lot of people just want to know where to get information, and I usually direct them to bedsider.org. I think that's a really good website that um, outlines all the risks and benefits of each birth control option. Um, and beds, it's a .org, so it's a nonprofit. Right. What, what's their interest? Uh, women's health, I Women's suppose. health, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, so bedsider.org. What else? So a frequently asked question, uh, maybe all the way back around to what uh, I asked. What's the safest, most effective form of birth control? You seem to be leaning towards the implants and the IUDs. Yeah, that, that I feel, um, I always, I don't want to say I... I uh, those I kind of market to patients a lot more, um, like I said, just because there's a less risk of failure of the, the birth control than the other ones. But, um, you know, it's each, it's just so hard to, to pick one, you know, because it's so individualized for the patient. Okay. So there's a, uh, it's a you, you kind of have to have a, a grid. Is that what you use? Yeah. A, a grid? <laughs> Do you use a grid? Uh, it gets in my mind. I it, use a little bit head. of a chart. Okay. But, um, and then I just do want to stress that all of these birth control options that we talked about today, they do not protect against um, sexually transmitted infections. So um, you would still need to use condoms for that. And in, cur- in terms of STDs around here, where are we in relation to having massive outbreaks to almost none? Somewhere in between. Yeah, uh, somewhere in between. Uh, There's not a a highly prevalent um, 
you know, do we? You can't shake the disease. Right. Eventually. So that would be something like herpes uh, will stay with you for the rest of your life. Um, you'll get, you know, recurrent outbreaks and things like that. But and some would impact your ability to get pregnant yes, at some time. Yeah. If uh, you do be, you know, contract something like chlamydia or gonorrhea, you could be at risk for pelvic inflammatory disease, and that can certainly impact your fertility later on. Okay. So that, there goes a big argument for condoms or some yes. other barrier. There are other, but women can use barriers. Yes, there are female condoms and male condoms, yeah. Okay, so uh, that would be something to talk to. You, you need a doc for that conversation, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, you, uh, you know, anyone can get a condom, but obviously if you are having any symptoms or anything, you'd want to see a doctor, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Please come back or say, Mark, I have an update. I want to talk on the phone. You know, you can do a quick five, six, seven, eight, nine minute update anytime you have something new to talk about. I have I've checked off literally 50% of my topics to discuss. So you can go back sometime and do the other 50%. So really much appreciated. Thank you for coming in. Thank you so much for having me. This is Dr. Deidre Heber, obstetrics and gynecology physician at Geisinger.